squiggle, 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 squap. Hey there, everybody. This is uh, well, but probably a little bit hot on the mic. I think. <clears throat> I think I can do probably right there. Anyone driving a whoa? That's still that's still hot. Anyone driving a forklift? I hope you're having a great day out there. And uh, yeah, welcome to welcome to Friday. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm trying to. It's that it's that nipples. You know that knobs are nipples, right? You know that that every knob you touch is just a a nipple in another world and the wormhole is coming through the technology and all that stuff and uh hey nate audio sounds good good so i i take it you guys can uh can hear that yeah good good sounds good i don't get the intro wow pjr i do not get you i don't get you buddy i don't get you not picking up what you're putting down but uh sometimes that's the point welcome to the show friday uh, it's great to see everybody. Happy full moon. I uh, released a new intro uh, music uh, last night on the full moon, but but really everyone's pretty much thinking it's like really, really, really great. So uh, it's probably good to have a wake, right? It's probably good to have like that that different side. So so yeah, um, welcome to the show. We we got a potpourri, menagerie, all kinds of things. There's also a caption contest right now for this. I I, I wrote a few a few back and forths, you know, like. Uh, like you've changed or I've changed or um, something's different about you, Harold, or, uh, you know, and, and even from Harold's side, like Harold's like you, you don't see the, the me that, that you used to see, Marsha. And m- maybe Marsha, your perfection is what makes me so ugly. Maybe Marsha, your your pursuit of this ideal is melting my face. I mean, it could be, right? I mean, think about Harold for a sec. Like, what kinds of things does Harold have to look forward to in the morning when his comes home to his wife? He feels like he's living in a foreign land. He has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know how to communicate to anyone. He doesn't know how to talk to anyone. He just wants to do a good job, man. Survive with his split pea tongue, eyes on his cheeks. You know, think about Harold for a while, right? All right, so, uh, yeah, let, let's, uh, let's get the show. Let's get something going, right? Let's do something. Let's do something. Um, we, we covered principles of dojo. We had the second, uh, the second class this Wednesday and, uh, um, you can find that on Podia. If, uh, if you're a patron, it's for free. You just, uh, go to Patreon. There's like a little uh, coupon code you enter and, uh, there'll be a new coupon code tomorrow. So if, uh, if you want to save, save money right now, the entire course is like two different courses. There's, there's other parts coming, but if you, if you buy every time you buy it early, basically you kind of get, you get like a discount. So right now it's $14. Um, and that'll go up. I, I'm not trying to sell you right away, but the point is, is I need you to know that all alchemy is Holocaust. Every bit of it. There's no such thing as alchemy without Holocaust. It will never look beautiful. It will always be a cavitational wake, just like someone types, I don't get the video. It doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, I keep dying because nothing doesn't make sense to me. All alchemy looks like that. The fact that the intro is so good is why you see that cavitation. It's why you see it. It's why it's happening. And, 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 and these steps, 
this hero's journey, these seven steps, uh, we, we cover more, but I just want you to think about that, that there's this mythos going around that somehow you alchemically grow through victory, that somehow as you triumph, as you're, as you're running through the battlefield with your victim's head, that somehow you are wiser now. And actually you, you've, you've lost a lot simply because there's a pendulum between victory and wisdom, between Nike and Athena, right? She's holding victory, and victory wants to crown Athena, but she looks straight ahead because she's she wants something more, right? She has enough Parthenia to afford the neocortex, the involvement of the wisdom of this burning, right? Neocortex does things hard. Do you understand how clearly obvious it is that the neocortex and the and the alchemy are, are always the same if this is confusing if the intro song intro music video was confusing you're fucking no way you're going to get this so don't worry about it but if, if this intrigues you but you're not quite sure what i mean check out the principles of dojo because it 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 talks more about this Friends, I, I have I have tried to educate all of us about the Battle of the Kegs. This is a uh, Battle of the Georges where where two lands that were pretending to to love their people said, Oh my god, we're being attacked and we have to kill kill the British and the British are like, Oh my god, we're colonies, we have to go attack because they'll kill us. Oh no. And and both Georges uh, played the exact same song. And, and, and in order to get people to even to fight, because most people are, are not dicks, and they're like, I don't want to kill that guy. Yeah, we disagree, but come on. And it's like, but he's wearing a different color coat. And you're like, it's still not enough, man. I need more than that. And so we invent songs. We, we float gunpowder down the river, and we shoot at the gunpowder to make the explosions. This really happened. And the same music was paying on both sides. I've told you that. I've also told you that the rifles of Gettysburg were mostly, uh, were first and foremost, mostly A, never fired, B, still loaded, and C, only shot once. I exposed to you the story of that Christmas Eve in the foxhole, that the, that, that wasn't a, a weird, spontaneous birth of, of peace, that actually that's just human nature, that, hey, big surprise, a lot of humans are like, I don't want to kill that guy. Let's just play poker, you know. Just show him pictures of my wife that I keep in my helmet and sweat on. Yeah. And I pull it out of my hat. I've been sweating on her all day. It's like ruining the emulsion, you know. It's like, I don't want to kill him. I, I let's, you know, let's talk about chicks, man. Right? Let's, let's play soccer. And, and let's 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 share horrible fruitcake, right? We'd rather do that. It's it's quite natural. And it turns out that there's a snake charmer, right? The Pipe Piper that has to come through and encourage this. And, and we bite. We bite and we bite. And the Pipe Piper gets cleverer, right? He gets smarter and smarter and we bite. And less of us bite, but still we bite, right? So it becomes an important process, right? I told you in the... Special on War, you can check this out, earlier episodes, but the entire Normandy invasion, the entire invasion of Normandy, the radio communication was isolated and controlled by the Warfare Deception Unit. Not kidding. 13 guys directed the entire invasion of Normandy, telling a bunch of paratroopers, hey man, you need to listen to me now because your main radio guy mysteriously didn't get his equipment today 
and uh, I'm in charge now. I've told you that. I, I, I showed you the tactical field nuke called the Davy Crockett, designed by the same warfare deception team, right? And, and actually, the dude who designed the tactical nuke, field nuke, was not a nuclear scientist, was not a brain surgeon, was not a rocket surgeon. He was an artist from Pratt. He was artist. 1,500 to 2,500 tactical field nukes distributed through World War II. Not a single one of them was fired because everyone knew, holy fuck, we're carrying a bomb that's going to kill us all. And it, and it caused the same sort of reflex action, right, which, which elicits this. But I did not tell you about this. James Drew has been holding back, my friends. I did not tell you about the air vent grenade. That on the shores of Normandy, I'm sure you've seen this. Oh my goodness, I got a, my first super chat since I got back. Thank you so much, Kim. Appreciate it. And, and uh, wow, Kim Burke, way to go. And and, and the this air vent uh, in Normandy, I want you. You've probably seen this this before, but I want you to think about it in terms of everything that I've ever told you about what war is and the Pipe Piper. Because when they stormed Normandy. The quote-unquote good guys, or quote-unquote bad guys, right, saw, saw things like this. Right? Right? Do you understand? This, oh, but James, I'm still confused about the intro. Can you please help me? Of course, I'm happy to help you, man. I'm happy to help you. The, the intro is a... Uh, uh, musical interlude that's used to open. No, the uh, the air vents, right? So you storm the beach, right? You drop a grenade thinking you're killing the enemy and lo and behold, it rolls out and it kills you. I want you to think about how if you go on Military Times and you see this, Military Times explains it, how the cunning tactical nature of these people cause them to develop these things that would be anti-warfare. And I'm here to tell you that that's not what happened at all. That there is a committee that is here to cleanse the land of those who were violent. And that they will cleanse the land of those who were violent by finding some way of bringing out the violence of calling the Pied Piper and dragging these children down to the river and holding their faces under and that everyone in town will thank that Pied Piper because they think that those children are rats. They think that, right? And that, so even the uh, armistice, even the uh, forts of Normandy were designed for children to kill each other who would fall for stories like we were told. And that all war is this calling. This benefits both sides. King George, President George. Both want a stable nation. Both know if they have Battle of the Kegs. If they stage Normandy. If, they, if World War I went so well. That they decided to do it again. They decided to have a sequel. That you would have a eugenics program. That is, oh, I hate to say it, but it's safe and it's effective. It removes the pathogen from your land. It goes in and strikes 
the paramecium that is involved and the call for racism, the call for the black web, the Napster, believe it or not, Napster itself is a kind of Pied Piper. What's Napster, dude? You're, it's okay. I applaud you for not knowing what Napster is. You young little spring chicken, yo. Good on you. I remind you that I've told you before, millions of Europeans were killed by direct allied bombing long after the victory, long after everyone knew who was going to win. There still was this insistent desire to, we need to kill these people by removing their food supply. And we did. It happened. I wanted to remind you that there is a mythos that the Japanese thought that they would actually win a war. And that the ideas brought forward that, that we think that they were trying to take over the world, the imperial Japanese, when in fact we've been starving them of their ability to even feed their own people through the constriction of oil. And I remind you once again the sad, sad story of the Gulf of Tonkin. The best way I can describe it is if a foreign nation, if Russia was sending speedboats through the Bay of San Francisco or Tampa Bay in Florida or right up the Mississippi River the entire time telling their people that this, the Russians telling their people that America was provoking them as they traveled through international waters, right? And the whole time, these people are following orders. The whole time, these people, the thank you for your service, right, are exactly listening to the Pied Piper. It's the same song. It's, this is, both sides played the same song in battle. Both sides played this song, people. They both played it. They both played it. Who do you think, who do you think has more in common, right? One guy's named King George. The other one's named George Washington. One guy's in charge of a... Let's be honest. One guy's in charge of a bunch of fucking retards who believe in a queen. Sorry, but... And another side believes in a bunch of retards that that believe in Konotakarius. That believe that this is a new land. That believe that everything that happened with Cortez was just... It's just a pocket resistance, right? <laughs> the richest gold kingdom that, that European uh, explorers have ever seen was just a little, little uh, terrorist enclave. Just a terrorist enclave, right? And hey, Mashika weren't exactly like, you know, really big on the whole, hey guys, maybe we should... Uh, have like better public relations. What do you mean? It's like, well, you know, if a foreigner was to land here right now and watch, you know, us eating eating each other, like they they might they might call us savages. Wait, I'm just saying we should put out some PR. We should. I'm thinking parsley. If we grew a lot more parsley, it it all this meal it transforms the meal. It does. The entire meal is transformed with parsley, and it makes us seem civilized. Here's, here's, that's point one. Point two, hear me out. I think we need to develop plates, guys. We got the whole bowl thing down, but we need plates. We need to develop plates. We have plates, and I want to talk about 
a fork. Yeah. You know, we talk about a little Biden. Maybe a trident, right? Maybe a quadrant. Quad. Right, Biden's two. Right, a trident's three. Is it a quadrant? That sounds dumb, doesn't it? Isn't a fork just a quadrant? Quad. Tetra. I bet it's. I bet it's tetradent. I bet one of you just realized there's not a show, is there? I swear there is. I swear these are, these are pre, pre-show things that I'm letting turn into a show. I forgive me. Um. Yeah. So with this idea, I want you to consider this whole new way of thinking, which sounds awful. It sounds horrible, but it's just true. And it's kind of characterized in, in this notion of charity because we're about to we're about to get into charlatanism. And I mentioned that briefly. I sort of plugged this idea that I was gonna to have to come clean about about some charlatanism that I saw in the COVID truth movement. And in my attempt to, to get there, um, I've already I've lost like thirty-five subscribers this week, probably because of the whole virus thing, because now apparently I'm I'm a virus lover now. And and actually I'm a virus compassionator. Compassion will look like consent if you are from the outside because you're looking for loyal loyalty, right? And it would be disloyal to compassionate your enemy when you're a majoritarian. It would be disloyal for you to look at your opponent on the mat and and try to compassionate where they're coming from so that you can understand them better, you can understand your, yourself better, right? Compassion and consent are are, are fused fingers that have not split yet in the majoritarian's mind, right? So, so they're not able to see this, so it ends up getting, getting, do- oh, thank you, Susanna. Thank you for everything, JT and patrons. Yeah, I cannot thank patrons enough. There's no way this show would be happening without them. So seriously, thank you so much, patrons. You guys rocking it, rocking it, rocking it. So when we think about this new psychology, this new kind of brain deadness, and it's the same brain deadness that will not tell you about friendly fire. I need you to know that, that the, the children, the widow of the man who drops a grenade between his own legs and dies is told that he was fighting valiantly in battle and that he was killed by an enemy grenade. You, you know that's true, right? You, you do know that, right? You, you do know that in war especially that we, that we escalate numbers, right? You do know that Auschwitz has finally is, is embracing the truth of, of their numbers, right? That, that I say finally they did it a while ago, good for them, but it took them like 60 years. Piltdown man, another 60 years, right? So we know that science, medicine, military, all these things, uh, this concept of reporting the truth of friendly fire, reporting the truth, think about what is the second law's, uh, leading cause of death is medical right? It's homicide, right? (laughs) That's friendly fire, isn't it? It's friendly fire, isn't it? It's friendly fire. You know it. It's friendly fire. And we're not going to report that either. And the same thing happens in the truth movement. Corrine, a a good friend of the show, uh, uh, I felt a little slap when she said, uh, well, you're just, you're just, uh, being this way to be controversial. And I need you to know how expensive it is when I'm do this, that, during QAnon, I enjoyed the social community of people that, that had like-minded, open minds that were looking at things. And I made the huge mistake of trying to add some skepticism to what we were doing. And I was forced out. I went into Flat Earth. The exact same thing happened. I was like, can you guys please stop having this 
fantasy where you have to flog yourself through the streets because the only reason why any of this could be happening is because of how powerful and dangerous that they have to lie to you. That, that the entire world has to lie and orchestrate and hoax you. Because that's a very self-centered way of seeing the world. You're insisting that everyone else in the world is out to objectively fool you. And I'm telling you, that is what a fool says. A fool thinks that they are the center. A fool has that idea that I am the center. And I think you should render your world in a zetetic personal way. I want your mythology to become animism, to become reality, and realize that those three have always been the fucking same thing. The only reason why you're calling it reality is because you have friends that have petrified the same fantasy as you have, and you guys have decided, oh, we figured it out, we figured it out. You didn't figure out jack shit, man. You simply learn how to petrify your belief. And that's okay. It's okay, but you got to be careful. You have to be careful when you do these things. And charity is mean. The first time you give charity to someone, they feel gratitude. It's like I'm drinking gratitude. Mm. Really grateful, charity. Thank you. The second time you give someone charity... They have anticipation. The third time that you give charity, they have expectation, right? You see where this is going? The fourth time you give charity, they have entitlement. The fifth time, I was going to say they have dependency, but apparently they have dependency, right? That the fifth time you give charity, someone has dependency, but actually let's, let's change it to dependency. Why don't we say that? And the sixth time that, that you give someone charity, you end up with resentment. That, that charity is a fruit on the vine. It's a fruit the first time it's ripe. Potlatch is ripe, right? And then it starts to tune the eater. It becomes uh, instilled. It ferments inside of them. They feel entitled because they've associated with it. Even our system of what we call moral, of what we call charity, has some deep, deep tentacles, deep, deep hooks. Do you understand? Deep, deep hooks. And if you're not careful, you're going to fall for them. You're going to fall for them. Evelyn 4273, 36 minutes before the show said, I wonder if pheromones and viruses are somehow related. And, and, and I, I, this is where I am. This is, this is where I am. The book that I've written that you've not seen, I, I can't wait to show it to you, uh, has really changed my entire perspective on virus simply because I've read more. I, I didn't say I know more. I simply said I've read more, which means I've just compassionated more. That's all. doesn't mean I'm more correct. It simply means that I've applied more association to virus, and I've, I've watched people take this stance that viruses aren't real. I've even watched people take the stance that, that there are people saying virus aren't real. Then there are people that are mad at me for suggesting that there are people out there that are even saying viruses aren't real. And literally, that's really what, what most people were saying. And it's the same thing with QAnon when people were talking about the deep state. And I would try and suggest maybe it's not the deep state. Maybe there's not a little portion of evil that's inside of the entire government. Maybe it's just the whole fucking government. Maybe what you're calling the deep state is just, it's just how it works. It's just deception. Right? It's just deception. James, you're deceiving us. I know. That's what I'm trying to do. I can't give you charity. You want to give you truth charity like everyone else? That's what you want, right? You want to give you truth charity, right? You want to set you up with truth and say the, the earth. 
It's shaped like, wait, what, what's, what's your favorite shape? The earth is shaped like a rhombus. And, and everyone's lying to you, but no one knows it. And everyone's lying to you, but no one knows it. It gives you this beautiful psychological boner. And you could build an entire pagan altar around that. And I want you to, because what did I say? We're moving. We're moving from objective into animism. Remember? Into pure hallucination. Remember? Into reality. And I'm telling you that the way to get from ob objective reality, all, objective all the way to reality, is you're going to have to go through animism, hallucination, Right? And then reality. Reality. You. Ra. Right? Ray. Ray. Ah. You are reality. You. You were the son. Oh, I am your father. I wonder if pheromones and the virus are similar light. Of course, I, I think they are. Pheromones are chemo signals. You don't have to call them chemo signals. If you want to call them pheromones, keep calling them pheromones. I got no problem with that. But Bobby McFerrin's probably going to fucking sue you. And it's weird, right? It's ironic, right? Because he's like, oh, do, do, everyone have a great day. I really believe that guy shot himself for like a year and a half. Someone told me, I think they were saying it ironically. And I thought it was serious. And I was like, wow, the, that dude like wrote a song about happiness and then he shot himself in the head and I was just like, what a dark world. This is long before I woke up. Anyway, I'm getting way off track. These chemo signals don't lie. Pheromones don't lie. <clears throat> it's not because they're purer than you. It's because they just can't. They don't have the technology to lie, right? A lie requires a separate timeline. You know that, right? There's you and then there's your lie. And each of these timelines require their own food, right? Their own substance, right? You have to come back and remember, okay, what was my lie again? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, James is a Luciferian. Actually, I embrace that, man. I'm a freaking Lucy fairy. I'm a fairy of Lucy in, right? I'm, I'm putting Lucy on the ferry and I'm like, let's go for a boat ride, lady. Let's freaking do it, right? So chemo signals don't lie because they can't. That when you activate a chemo signal, your brain has no choice but to respond because it's an algorithm. Do you understand? It's an algorithm. And as long as you have a nose, you have a brain. You've worked most of your life to try and turn off that algorithm. Did you know that? It's true. That your, old, your main olfactory gland inside the top of your mouth, you've actually attributed a long time ago. The first thing you did that your great, 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 and not so great grandfather did was say, let's atrophy the fuck out of this thing. Hey, I did it to my hair a long time ago. I was probably out walking around going, fuck, this hair is so annoying fucking cellular epigenetic world i don't want fucking hair anymore that's probably what happened that's probably what happened and then over time right i finally was just like dude i ain't got no hair it feels great it's like save money on on prehistoric shampoo was so expensive right because you got to take the crocodile poop and then you got to get some like t-rex spooge to get the conditioner right the co percentages are through the roof right and so you will yourself into different shapes. That's why our knees only go one way. You know, we're dolphins with kneecaps that just a long time ago said, man, we need some fucking elbows. Fuck this flipper shit, right? I want to flip people off, says, says the dolphin, right? The primordial dolphin's like, I want to flip someone off. I need fingers. And it goes through that same thing. This is how Michael Levin told you this. Check out his work. If you missed the last uh, live stream or two about this, holy jeez, this stuff is off the chain. It's so real. So we've atrophied our primary olfactory input anyway. 
these chemo signals really are, are, as I said, they're algorithms, but I want you to think about it more as reflex, the reflexology. They're, the reflex is a lonely game, and the answer is more. And everything about the reflex, uh, fuck, I wish I knew the, uh, the reflex is a lonely child who answers this in my, 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 my. Chemo signals control our destiny. More than, our free, uh, more than our free will, that you can have a free will, right? You can have a free will that says, I'm going to go in this restaurant and have a great experience. And as soon as you sit down, for whatever reason, someone has decided to use some kind of chemical agent to clean something nearby. And the jet stream of the restaurant is pouring this cleansing agent through your nose. But you're like, I've been waiting eight months to come to this Italian restaurant. But it's also owned by the mafia. And it's a small town. I don't want to offend them. But fuck, I cannot sit here and eat. And then you go through this whole... This is all hypothetical, by the way. I'm not implying that Sorrento's down on Main Street and Banner Elk is somehow owned by the mafia. Even though they own a weird... Like, why, why are you in the trash business and the restaurant business and have the name Sorrento's, and you're going to be fucking offended when someone like me suggests maybe you're in the mafia. How does that, how does that math work? Having these chemo signals, these pheromones are going to have more influence over you than your neocortex is because they're automatic. What I mean is, is that your neocortex only gets to react to the reaction you had because they're directly input to your brain, right? Did you know there's there's one neuron loop? There's one neuron jump. There's one neuron jump between your olfactory and your thalamus. Your neocortex, maybe 12. It, I have to say maybe, and it's it's more like 17 million, but what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to explain to you the, the gates that we need to cross. So... The hippocampus has this beautiful little spiral, right? And one of those spirals things is it kind of like injects right into the thalamus. It sends neurological pulses right in. And those neurological pulses can come right from the amygdala and more importantly, right from the olfactory. So your aperture fear, right? The fear response we talk about. Jane says aperture too much. Aperture. The aperture response is directly inserted into your thalamus. So it bypasses all all of your thought processes, which means that your neocortex has no choice but to react to that event and then try and build free will on top of it, which is the mythos of that. A lot of mythos there, right? A lot of mythos that comes in there. Having will really is just the generation of exosomes. I can prove it. Every, every time that you have will, you are generating virus. But I use the word exosome because I didn't want your sphincter to squeeze up. And, and what's really happening is, is that every time that you start to exercise your will, you generate pheromone, you generate chemo signal, you generate exosome, you generate virus. All of those are the same thing. Your cellular permeable walls are emanating the desire that you have, the will that you have, and those come through looking like exosome. It's a protein shell. The same thing as a meme. A meme has an attractive coating. 
And that attractive coating makes you see it and pull it into yourself and say, oh, what's this? And it's a fortune cookie. Virus, exosome, willpower, pheromones, all of these are fortune cookies. And your body is surrounded by fortune cookies because you, you are a fortune cookie factory, my friends, right now. You're not hearing my words. You're hearing my fortune cookies. You're hearing a billion trillion fortune cookies leaving their acoustic imprint on that little tiny, tiny bone in your ear. But before that bone even gets to you, the melanocytes are stopping the information. Every time I say something that's just a little bit too scary, viruses. Every time that I say something that's just a little bit too uncomfortable, viruses. Every time I say that, you have a limbic response because of the algorithm. And I don't want you being trained by charlatans who understand how that works. And I'm not even saying charlatans are evil. I'm telling you that there's an anatomy to charlatans that you need to understand in order you get this. You are dealing with a world of virus, which is simply orphaned, anonymous will. <clears throat> and if you want to know how anonymous will works, look at anonymous comments. The worst, smuttiest shit that you could ever read was on YouTube before YouTube started holding a social accountability for every account. The same thing with Facebook. The reason why Facebook took off is because it made people be less anonymous. The instant they were less anonymous, a magical thing happened. They stopped acting like fucking shitheads for the most part. And the worst of that behavior happened before that, before that. And so when you understand the truth of who and what we are as a people, we are people that behind masks, we will show our true selves. Thank goodness, by the way. I miss the days when we could be racist because I miss the days of walking into a place and understanding where someone was permeable. And the fact is, is if they were talking shit about someone based on the color of their skin, I understood instantly where they were and how to compassionate them. I knew I was dealing with someone who dealt with a lot of just fear. He wasn't anger, it wasn't prejudice, it wasn't hate. He was trying to fucking survive. And the idea that he was allowed to vent that by expressing his racism helped not only me compassionate him, but helped the next colored person or prejudiced or bigoted person that he struck because they knew right away in plain ass fucking daylight who this person was. And I think that's beautiful. We have this idea that all of us are, are pheasants with the most beautiful plumage that you could ever see, but we have to always wear a raincoat and hide who the fuck we are. And all that does is support this system of more lies. I do not enjoy being controversial. I do not enjoy watching a beautiful community of people that are looking and trying to think about virus in a different way. I do not enjoy ostracizing them and making them feel bad because I'm trying to discuss our propensity to lie. But it is a necessity. It is a necessity for me to feel that I'm even pollinating you, not because I want the controversy, not because I want to lose subscribers. It's quite the opposite. I would love if you guys would lick my fucking taint every day and tell me how much you agree with me. And I have to wake up and make decisions that are hard. And if I would not have seen that the end of COVID was actually the Alpha Vedic dudes, I would not have had the calories to even say what I said, which is that I believe that the same community that is seeking to understand and see what the truth is about virus are doing the exact same thing that all majoritarians, that all any truthers will do, 
which is praising loyalty over wisdom, praising victory over wisdom, praising this idea that camaraderie is somehow more important than truth. And I don't think anyone's bad because I don't think charlatan is bad. All of us are on a limbic treadmill. We are forced to ingest and hallucinate the exosomes, the orphan will of everyone else around us. We are toxically contagious to each other because you are beautiful and human. You are forced on a limbic treadmill. Every time you breathe, you are inserting all the algorithms of every chemo signal that's in your environment. And the only choice you have is to move. It's the only choice. You can change your psychology, you can change your posture, but those algorithms will still be coming. And if you find them untenable, the only choice you have is to move. Yeah, when he said, charlatans know their customers. Charlatans want to feel needed. I am not here to tell you that there's evil charlatans and I'm not here to explain that to you because that it will never, never, ever, ever be seen in the world. It will only see that in the movies. Charlatans know their customers. They know you better than you. And more importantly, they themselves want to feel needed. I want to feel as if I am someone who's sending you a new idea that no one's ever thought of before. I want to feel like the kind of person that blows your mind and tickles your toes and makes you think in new ways. I will hallucinate and create that reality and look for feedback in the world that proves this delusion to me as the charlatan as hard as I can. And whether or not you believe it really has little to do with my inner desires as the charlatan because I want to feel needed. This is the true essence of the charlatan, and this is the true opponent that you will find on the mat when you look inside these fields and hear people tell you, I have the answer, I have the answer, I have the answer. And they don't. What they're saying to you is, I want to feel needed, I want to feel needed, I want to feel needed. And they will cross that line sometimes to get that way. This is Guitar Hero, a video game where you get to play and feel what it's like to be a guitarist. And it's beautiful. I'm not telling you this is evil. If you have this game, keep playing it more. I need you to understand that this is the essence of the charlatan. That the charlatan wants the guitar hero. They do not want the guitar lessons. The guitar lessons are a very, very, very different thing. All right. Guys, there's a beautiful little bird in my house. It's going to take just a moment to get it out. I'm going to put you on interlude. I'll be right back in uh, Hey Kundarar Festival. Check it out on 1028. Creature comforts. Peace should come first. If I keep eating sweets like this, soon my teeth ain't gonna work. Used to sleep through love hurts. Deep in slumber. Hard to bring the eyes sight to see that you need should come first. 
Yeah, you is a pretty thing. Don't let somebody be your only way out. Hard to hear heaven sing, but those petty strings bogging your brain down. Fall in love with Life feel like one long loop of quotidian What's that mean? I'm just an idiot Photoshop an image in the feed We're the real one All I ever wanted was some peace and tranquility All I see is problems and the stars is a million the mundane is beautiful Singing a silly song Bitch, I'm the Billy Go Gruff Then she tread on me with that old fake love I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough Can't you say that once? Get it in your gut If you're a small town, baby Y'all just trust Got the gate to the world in your backyard bluff Find a way to sit still or you won't feel nothing You need for a rush, you can fall in love Will you stand in place? Let it fill your lungs Breathe all right in Cause you ain't here long Yeah A simple man Is pretty ass Anything you should hold on to Your peace Quotidian Is pretty ass Anything you should hold on to Your Creek Falls, Tennessee is where that thing is, and uh, you can get tickets on my website. You got to be a patron, though. <clears throat> got to be a patron. Um, whoa, it's a special, special time for a patron. Okay, I just knocked my. I need another interlude. I need an interlude inside an interlude. Hang on. I'm, I'm an interluding. Interlude to there we go. That's probably you guys would probably hear me now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Guitar Hero is perfect uh, perfect analogy for this charlatan I'm talking about. You want to have fun. You want you want to be the guitarist, but man, that's a lot of work. And you you probably think, hey, while I'm learning to to be a better guitarist, right? I can I can still be a charlatan. I can still do it to work. I'm reading comments in the in the uh, chat about how how liars are intolerable and man this is gonna hurt jj but you're actually lying too <laughs> you're lying lying is actually the purpose of lying is to is to be tolerable you're actually making things tolerable to yourself and others guys i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something really lovely the moment you really understand that you lie is the moment you begin to see a whole new world. The entire world becomes a beautiful place at that moment because you're able to truly compassionate yourself for the first time. And if you've somehow managed to find a way to live your life where you, you would never ever lie, I don't think that you're ever actually connected to anyone or anything. So I don't even think that that stringent is even proper. You're just hydrogen peroxide, which certainly has its merits but it's no way to have a complex um identity which is important so just my just my thoughts on that but this is a tough one understanding the technology of lying is tough and i'm not trying to uh oh okay i was getting ready to make sure jj was feeling cool but he said get okay yeah i'll, I'll get over why would i even how does why would anyone want to get over themselves like so you're saying stop being in love with yourself? Is that it? Because I want to be in love with myself, JJ. I think being in love with yourself, I'm all for it. 
I'd rather you have your back than mine. I think if you had your back, you'd be more compassionate. If you had your back, you'd probably know you lie. That's how we learn ourselves. So let's, let's rethink charlatan. Because charlatan are those who want credit more than they want to be helpful. That's all. They're not actually out to deceive you. They're out to get what they want. They're out to solve the equation that I want to feel helpful. And you know this because the best charlatans are not out to trick you. They're not. They're out to fulfill their destiny of guitar hero. They're here to feel needed. All evidence will be stacked on both sides to this destiny. Always. This is solutions over answers. Do you understand the difference? Solutions over answers. That if you're seeking the answer to something, it's very different than seeking, well, this, this actually works. Right? And the reason why I led with alchemy as Holocaust is because all Rockefeller did was provide you with something that worked. The, the alchemy, the true medicine, would be Holocaust. And most patients don't want a Holocaust, so they will look for, right? They're looking for a way to fulfill their needs. And they're finding it, which creates the charlatan. It is us who create the charlatan. We do. We create it. And guys, when, when, the, when, the, when we finally started to compassionate viruses, the first thing we did was doubt them. And great, keep doubting them. But this idea that because of Cox postulates, that proves viruses isn't real. And I know most of us are going to now insist that never happened, but it did. <laughs> it did. And most of the people that were that were wanting to feel the the charlatan desire to feel helpful, the first thing they said out of their mouths is that, well, Cox postulates prove that viruses can't exist because it doesn't satisfy Cox postulates. And that's that's a really bogus argument. That really is the same as saying a hot dog is not a sandwich. It it, it really is the same. You're you're simply just losing yourselves in the semantics of it, but the entire time you're actually just watching the resonance of virus as above, so below every single bit of propaganda that you've ever been uh, subjected to in any kind of danger. That's probably better. Uh, uh, has this same network. It's a protein shell with information inside. That's it. And the, the Cox postulates was never a, a victory for our side. But if I tell you that, you're going to think that I am the problem when I'm the one who's telling you, guys, there's a lot of friendly fire in war. The next time you want to go to war, I need you to remember how many times your grandfather is going to drop a grenade on his own fucking foot and your grandmother's not going to know. She's not going to know. And if someone like me comes home and tells her that, they're going to kill me. I'm the problem. War's not the problem. I'm the problem. And that's what's happening now. That's what's happening. It's what's happened with Epstein Island. Guys, the columns are fake. There's not, it's not even a real dome. Guys, there's not a six-foot elevator. The reason why the ambulance is not there because they're killing kids. Guys, there's no hospital. It's an island that's a half a mile long. What, if, why do you think there's an ambulance on a half-mile long island if it's not for a movie set? Guys, guys. Have you ever considered the reason why there's a submarine is because it's a movie set? Have you ever considered that? And the problem's me because I'm now secretly on the side of the pedophiles, just like now I'm secretly on the side of virus. And this is why we don't get anywhere, which is why we need more Pied Pipers, because until people steam 
to start to get closer to this concept of compassionating what is happening around them, they're going to be lost. They're going to be lost. Kill the messenger. Exactly. Mo. Hello, Mo. You kill the messenger. And that will stop. That will, com that will complete the problem. And a charlatan that can kill the messenger, you're going to say, that dude's got the answer. I fucking love it because he said Cox postulates. Or a virus is not alive. This was my favorite. But James, no one said that. Yes, they did. You know they did. You're pretending that you're lying to yourself saying they didn't. Not pretend. Pretend's a very magical act. But that's what we said. Well, virus isn't alive. So how is something that's not alive going to be so dangerous and contagious and spread? It's just like, dude, I can kill you with a fucking nail. A nail. Oh, I can kung fu nail. No, I can use a nail gun. I don't even have to do all this. Whoa, I literally can show up, right? With a cordless nail gun. And what is that nail? It's a protein shell that has information. And the information is, guess what? The nail wasn't alive and it killed you. So the second idea that viruses are not real because that which is not alive cannot kill you. Bullshit. And it's the exact same dogma that we have that's like, humans are, have souls, but dogs don't. Dogs don't have souls, but humans totally do. And it's this nefarious inability to compassionate that the entire world is alive because it freaks you the fuck out, right? So you have to associate and say, well, just anyone who's had the Trinity who's had their soul saved is alive, but everyone else isn't. But only if you accept Jesus in your heart. And if you didn't, then you're not alive. You weren't a soul. You were just a virus, right? And the idea is that the reason why a virus cannot be directly perceived in an animated state is the exact same reason why photons and quantum exist in the same way. You guys know what a buckyball is, right? If you guys don't know what a buckyball is... Um, what you do, uh, reach in my pants? No. A buckyball is a uh, conglomerated sphere that is capable of being quantumly entangled. That, that not only can you entangle a photon when you run it through a split, uh, double slit experiment, but you can do it with a structure as complex as a buckyball. And just yesterday or this week or some, just this week, someone else look it up because I don't fucking follow this shit enough, but... Uh, someone in, uh, in some lab actually quantumly entangled a piece of copper, I think. That as we are understanding the world deeper and deeper, the idea that, it, that the quantum entanglement occurs is so much more uh, prevalent than we think. It's not actually just limited to this theoretical concept of intangible space that there's actually tangible objects that exercise the same thing and when you start to unlock the the truth of of the body of osiris you start to realize that it would make sense that all of us would be quantumly entangled into each other through split identity through split brain personality and the only way that you're going to be able to understand these things is to understand there's a, a charlatan in you there's a liar in you that all these systems are necessary for you to survive because Half the, the job of half your identity is to lie to the other half the identity about it not being there. Did you know that? Stop telling them that, James. No, I have to tell them. Stop telling them. I have to tell them. That's, that's the job. That half your hemisphere's job is to tell the other half that it doesn't even exist. 
I'm not kidding. Why is this slide white? Okay, this is a polar bear in a snowstorm. And he's like really concerned. He's telling a joke, but it's so much snow you can't hear it. Right? Uh, beautiful slides. Uh, so in order to get to get here, because I, sh I should probably speed up a little bit here. All intelligence is mimicry. First. Second, it is improvisation. And third, it is contagion. All intelligence, all gnosis, all wisdom is contagion. The principle of contagion. The bumblebee is a virus zoomed in. It's really large. It's scaled. It's scaled so large that it's hard to picture that, that it's anything, that, that it could be a virus. But it is. And a bumblebee has a certain bit of information that's stored inside of its shell. And that bit of information is, is that there, from one kilometer in this direction, dude, there is a freaking flower that is the sweet bee's knees, dude. You need to go there. You need to bring some of that pollen home. Because Queenie's going to love it. That that's a virus. That is virus. Stop saying, well, it doesn't exist down there, but everywhere else, James, fine. I admit that it exists. Stop saying that. Do you know that you're the one that, that's hurting your immune system by insisting viruses aren't real? Do you realize if you could get to the part where viruses are real, that your immune system could kick on and say, oh, fuck yeah, they are. The way I influence people is my contagion. The way I hold my spine is my contagion. That every single thing that I collect is based on this principle that I not only do I compassionate virus, but I am a living virus. And you start to understand what your DNA truly is, what your epigenetic wisdom is, how tightly wound you are is going to be completely conducive to which layers of hermetic wisdom you even unlock, purely based on the aperture squeezing, the dilation of your aperture unwinds your DNA. But you can't even have this conversation if you're on the objective reality or I don't lie or viruses don't exist. You're not going to be able to have this because you're rejecting right brain for left brain, left brain for right brain. You're the one that's saying all of science is wrong. And I'm here to tell you all of science is one-sided. I didn't say it was wrong. I said all of science is one-sided. All of science is the identity that's trying to convince you it's not there, just as all of feelings is the identity that's in you that's trying to convince you it's not there because you would be pointless. You would be completely immobile as a solitary person, the same way you would have no depth perception with a single eye, that you need these identities inside of you to understand the world. And the more you reject, the more you insist things don't exist, the more you are melanating, your melanocytes are distributing that information in the middle of my beautiful intros. It's playing that music to you and telling you this isn't real. I don't understand this. Because you're safer that way. And good for you. The viral brain, the entire brain is viral. Your neurological wisdom is contagiously repeated until the brain is infected by the virus. Literally, that's how it works. You have this short-term temporal storage. You have a clipboard in your brain. You know this when someone gives you a digit, right? And you're walking down the hallway, 3675209, That's not a pen, 3675209. That's not, that's not a pen, 3675209. Oh, fuck, the battery's dead. 3675209, And what you're doing is, is that you're, you're, the hot potato is in your short-term memory, right? And, and see, the only way you can keep in short-term memory is repeating it, because you know that, that it's scrying. You're scrying it in the liquid, and all you have to do is look at the reflection, but that reflection, the ripples are going to go away. You have to offload this 
this shit. 3675209. 3675209. You have to offload this to long-term storage. 3675209. 3675209. And you're looking for a ritual. 3675209. Which will allow you to emphasize and place this into long-term storage. James, if you don't repeat the number right now, you're not going to remember it because I don't think you've done it because you haven't written it down yet. 3675209. That, that entire process is this implication where you're dealing with a permanent storage that doesn't even fucking belong to you. You have to create a ritual transaction, an algorithm to even place things into your long-term memory. And the only way you can do that is by creating a calligraphy episode or a typing episode. You have to create a spatial temporal ritual to store that. That the second you type 3675209, I got it, right? That, that simply by, by typing that, that now you burned it. Oh, thank God I burned it. Oh, now you can let go. Oh, oh that was tough. Three, six, seven, five, two, oh, nine, right? It's viral. I've grown contagious. I've infiltrated myself with something that I felt was important. And I repeated it and repeated it. I propagated it, I propagated it, I propagated it enough until it stuck. So when you think about what wisdom is, all, all your gnosis has to be filtered through cultural utility. What does that mean? If, if something doesn't serve culture, it's not going to be floating around for you to even find it. Which comes back to that point where all propaganda that you will ever read or see will require some sort of fuel in order for it to reach you. And that fuel could be that it simply has value on the street. It has value on the street, right? A bus has value on the street for the sheer large idea that a billboard could be on it. All gnosis is memorized by regurgitating. Through the repetition of things is the only way you put it in your library of Alexander, which comes back to this idea of cultural utility. You're not remembering things that are true. You're remembering things that are culturally relevant and necessary and helpful and utilitous to you. This is the concept of utilitarianism, pragmatism. It's a stem away. American philosophy invented this idea that, that no, there's not this platonic bullshit lie where everything's real and everything's truth and everything else isn't is false. It's stop thinking that way, you simpleton. Stop. Because even the gnosis that you've memorized was only memorized through its cultural utility and moves it out of that temporal clipboard into the permanent storage, into the permanent storage, the Akashic record. You think it's in you, but it's really in the Akashic record and you're able to recall that. Probably. I can't prove it though. Could be lying though. Could be. We, a couple, couple episodes back, I did a uh, Welcome to the Underworld. And I just, I need you to know that through every early embryonic state of this existence, you rebuild your entire cosmology based around the shape of you. The shape of the earth will look like Towerette, this uh, Egyptian uh, crocodile with boobs. And it looked that way because there was a state in our embryonic uh, shape when, when that's what we look like. And so we have in our mythology stored this Egyptian God of Towerette because we used to be Towerette. And all of our mythology is an oracle. All of our mythology is giving us these giant clues about who and what we are and what we do, right? I miss telling you about this hilarious, this King Gustav. Maybe I told you he was... Uh, uh, he was assassinated, but he was trying to uh, give one one twin coffee and the other twin tea. 
because he was trying to prove something about twins. And so we like two death sentences, right? One gets coffee, one gets tea. If I already told you that, sorry, I, I have a hard time uh, remembering what I've said online and what I've said in the shower. Uh, I should just stream in the shower. Uh, today, t I should have put this earlier. Sorry. Uh, uh, today, wow, I did not finish this slide at all. Today is the last day of uh, of uh, Twin Tower uh, 11 read. Uh, last day of that. Uh, it, total sidebar. Total sidebar. When we think about what the Corona actually did, the Corona simply just increased our bandwidth and so many of us had to check out. And when you look in the sky, when the Corona is turned up, when the Corona is ready to be received by you, Hercules is upside down. That it's a, it's a time for underworld. I want you to, to understand that, that Hercules is, is really Hades under Corona. And that the Corona is showing you this underworld. It's showing you the truth of what the world looks like. That it's not just flowers. That the serpent is pluming. And that the flowers that you see are the plumes of that very serpent. Because there's a, a rising that's necessary from this fall, right? This alchemy, this holocaust, this hero's journey. And that the crone is a very absolutely necessary piece of this. Why? Because the crone is more bandwidth. You're, you're sensing reality now it's in, in, in HD. The bandwidth is so hot. You, your coax cables, you can feel how hot they are. It's melting the rubber for some of us, and we had to check out. We had to leave this place. Same thing with the Spanish flu. We had to leave because the increase in, in the effectiveness of reality, the bandwidth of reality. Keep in mind that we're able to remember far more in the past than we ever could, that we can compassionate ancient cities that, that, that we've never seen before. We can compassionate what the future will look like. We can compassionate through the Oracle mythology, all these things. Because all that information is coming to us, and it's hotter. It's more intense. It requires more bandwidth. It requires a different mode of even communication that a lot of people simply did not have and could not handle. And I'm convinced that certainly there are people that are like, I want to black out the sun. Why? Because they want to be a charlatan. They want to help the people that they think would help them fulfill their need to be charlatanous, to be charlatanous, to be the ones that are actually able to need them. And so Mr. Burns will cover the sun simply because he knows people think this might help. And so you're asking when you talk about chemo trails, chemo signals, I'm telling you that the melanocytes are not able to block enough data. And so you yourself start to psycho-hallucinate. Your immune system is doing amazing, animistic, powerful things, and you are missing it because you want everyone else to share in your experience. And you will never find it. You will never find it because this is not going to be a kiddie pool any longer and you were peeing in each other's mouths in a Pisces and you can't do it anymore. This floor has dropped out and you were forced to tread water. You have no choice but to embrace that you lie. You have no choice but to embrace there is no objective reality. You have no choice but to look at the true nature of mankind around you and understand who exactly you are 
And that's why we're here right now. You know this. And the underworld is shown to you and people will say, James, I can no longer follow you because you're talking about Hades. And I say, good. I do not want you to get hurt. I do not want you to venture into this realm where we are compassionating our own exosomal power to hallucinate and create the reality necessary to turn you into a psychotropic billionaire, motherfucker. A billionaire. Where everyone around you is addicted to the virus of your posture itself, your hum, your song, your music, your art, your beauty, all of it, right, is a reflection of your ability to hallucinate how amazing you are. Get it straight, y'all. Stop trying to bash people for hallucinating and start giving them credit. You guys, some of you will say you appreciate my genius, but none of you, none of you will appreciate my stupidity. And I'm frankly, I'm offended by it. Because inside that stupidity is the amount of hallucinogenical magic that requires no mushrooms, that requires no bullshit, that requires no uh, self-destructive uh, visits to some kind of shaman where I have to throw up all day. I can fucking enter this state myself because that's how powerful I am. I can hallucinate that idea. But we live in a society where we want to shit on each person's hallucinations. And that's the Piscean way. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You got things to do. Here, so now a short intermezzo where I want you to participate. Let's get this to work. Uh, so this is a multiple object tracking task. At the beginning, you'll see four dots flashing. Track them with your attention. Yeah, well, that's basically it. Uh, if it works, I hope. Uh, yeah, here we go. Right? How did you do? Yeah, I see a lot of uh, people nodding, so it went well, I guess. Okay, so why did I show this? Actually, when you did this just now, you had split attention. So we noticed from studies where you present the stimuli bilaterally or unilaterally, your uh, capacity is double when we present these stimuli bilaterally. So it seems that each hemisphere is tracking independently of the other. And even more in EEG studies, when an item crosses the midline during MOT or during multiple object tracking, you see in the CDA of the EEG signal, you see that the item is transferred from one hemisphere, the information about the item is transferred from one hemisphere to the other. So you just...
Ah, oh, shit, I'm muted. Oh, man, sorry, guys. Thank you, Antonio. Appreciate that. It's been a while, right? Like, it's been a while. How 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 long was that? Probably since I, I finished the, the thing. Sorry about that. It's been a while. Can't hear you. You can hear me now. <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah, welcome back. Welcome back. Sorry about that. Sorry, M my bad. It's that's that's all me. That's all me. <laughs> Someone appreciates my stupidity. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, so you were watching the split brain in action. As you're watching that this video, you are are uh, multi-threading yourself, right? Most of us run on a Raspberry Pi type processor. It's very small. I'm not muted, right? It's a very small <laughs> processor that only has a very short memory and a, a, a very small task task window. It's very small. But what makes your brain so powerful is is not the pathetic Raspberry Pi, but it's your ability to multi-thread into those. You can create multiple Raspberry Pis at once. How do you do this? You literally disassociate your personality. You separate yourself into separate identities, which is what you're what you're doing there, right? This this exercise is disassociation, right? Here, so now a short intermezzo where I want you to participate. Try it again. Let's get this to work. Uh, so this is a multiple object tracking task. At the beginning, you'll see four dots flashing. Track them with your attention. Track the yeah. four flashing dots and feel your disassociation. Uh, if it works, I hope. Try it. Mm. Yeah, here we go. So there are four of you right now. And each has a will to preserve themselves. And the way that you're preserving yourself is by honing in on that particular dot. That that becomes your identity. Right. Oh, you do? Yeah, I see a lot of... That becomes your identity. Money. Those dots become your identity. And this is why I don't have a lot of patience for people that are like, oh, material world doesn't matter. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course it matters. If you do not have a spatial furniture to associate your energy into, you're lost. The material world is far more important than you realize because the material world is giving you the pointing stick, right, to actually associate this information into. It's very, very crucial. This is part of understanding that the true identity of who you are is a conglomeration of split brain that's constantly lying to themselves. Constantly lying to themselves. Listen to this. Appreciate you guys. Sorry for being muted. Listen to this. It's not, there's no music right now. Hang on. I know the left hemisphere and right hemisphere now are working independent of each other, but you don't notice it. Now, you just kind of adapt to it. It doesn't, you don't have any feeling, it doesn't feel any different than it did before. Once Seven years ago, Joe had brain surgery to allay the effects of severe epilepsy. His surgeon cut the nerve fibers connecting his left hemisphere with his right. While the operation was a complete success, Joe's unusual case offers an extraordinary insight into the machinery of mind. This fiber system, the corpus callosum, is located midway between the two hemispheres. When it was surgically severed in Joe's brain, the transmission of information between the two hemispheres was halted. Michael Gazanica. What we can do is play tricks by putting information into his dis disconnected, mute, non-talking right hemisphere and watch it 
produce behaviors. And out of that, we can really see that there is, in fact, uh, a reason to believe that there's all kinds of complex processes going on outside of his conscious awareness of his left half brain. Joe, I'm going to show you some things. I just want you to tell me what you see. And here we go. You ready? Look right at the dot. Okay. Right. Okay, you ready? Look right at the dot. Grapes. Good. When Joe focuses on a point, Look right at the dot. everything to the right of the point goes to his left brain, the dominant hemisphere for language and speech. Look right at the dot. So we can see here that when we flash a word or a picture, Tree. Joe is easily able to name right it. See it. Close your eyes and let your left hand do a little work here. Okay, what do you got there? Pan. Okay, very good. Now, when a word or a picture falls to the left of a fixation point, that information goes to his disconnected right half brain. And as we can see here, Joe is unable to name it. Joe is able to draw the picture with his left hand, the left hand getting its major control from the right half brain. What'd you draw? Okay. What'd you see? Wheel on one side. I don't know what I saw on the other. So even though he can't name it, his left hand is able to draw out the picture of the stimulus of the picture or word that we presented to his right half brain. What did you see? So just close your eyes and draw with your left hand. Just let it go. That's nice. What's that? Salt. Yeah. What'd you see? Hammer. What'd you draw that for? I don't know. What we have with Joe is a is a just a dramatic example of a neurologic case that really allows you this window into the non-conscious and how powerful non-conscious processes are at influencing our conscious. Just kidding. I'm not muted. Um, to first of all. That's pretty interesting. Some of you guys were talking during the video. I think you need to go back and watch it. Seriously, you need to go back and watch it because it's telling you something about conscious. I feel like a teacher. I'm like, guys, sit down back there, guys. Seriously, watch the movie. Watch the video. It's important. It's, no, it's not on the test, but you still need to watch it. You still, yes, he saw he saw it as a hammer. It was a saw, by the way. That's delicious puns, sadists. I want you to, so really quick, left brain saw hammer, right brain saw saw. He can't say the word hammer. He can't, he can only draw the word hammer. He can't draw the word saw. He can only say the word saw because there's split brain, right? No corpus callosum, but more importantly, there are two different agencies at work. And, and here's the biggie. One agency has the ability to lingate, <laughs> to langate, language. 
is possessed by one of these seers. One of the disassociated hemispheres that you create has language. The other has visual. And that these two personalities, these two agencies that are alive in you, have no choice but to convince themselves that the other does not exist. Your shadow self, from the moment you're born, is an advisor that will always have its own ideas about things and will block you from even being able to communicate certain things from coming through, and you will not know it. This is happening in the thalamus, by the way, which is, you noticed earlier, the olfactories, the amygdala are both directly rooted into there, which is why people like Sapolsky claim there's no such thing as free will. I'm not telling you to believe that. I'm just saying that when we look at the chemistry of liquid and water, you might argue that there's no free will. I don't know how helpful that is. I'm not even trying to get you on that train. I enjoy free will. It's kind of fun, even if it's a hallucination. But I think hallucinations are more important than reality. I know they are. This guy has no choice but to lie to himself. And because he has no corpus callosum, you can see it. And the same people that are typing, I never lie, are the same people that just aren't ready for this. They're not able to fathom it. And the reason why is because of how uncomfortable it makes them. It makes us so uncomfortable that we've had to atrophy our olfactory for this. And that if you look at a Lemurian Aquarian awakening that we might come through, and I think we will, I think you will find that our olfactory will be stimulated through some type of genetic technology, I would imagine, to undo the centuries, the millennium of suppression that we've given that olfactory simply so we could uh, learn to drink from the truth. And that the corona, the lensing that's opening, that the higher form of consciousness that's hitting you in this HD bandwidth that you've never seen before is going to lead to the olfactory having no choice but to burst open like a flower. It is your last virginity, and it's in the top of your mouth. And it's dictating this prana economy that's just so, so much deeper than anything else we've really ever known. It's big, big stuff, olfactories. So. Your chemo signals, all these things. Big, big, big stuff. I know the left hemisphere and right. The same people are denying the evolution too i can't even do radio shows with people now that 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 seem bent on hating evolution and those same people that hate evolution were the same people that fell for the scopes monkey trial bullshit to begin with that that somehow evolution was even trying to articulate creationism in some way that's none of that's true it's not at all what darwin was saying he was simply saying hey look at this interesting process and it's it's the purist that's saying God would only make something once that never develops or grow. That's a very limiting mindset. And they're saying, well, if, if God God made man, then man would be perfect and man would never change or grow. Well, then why the fuck is our olfactory retarded? Is that God's like, oh, let's create a really elaborate olfactory system and then retard it because they're perfect, right? So it, it, this thing doesn't help either side. 
If you want to be an evolutionist, if you want to be an atheist, an atheist is a theist that has A at the beginning of it. (laughs) A theist is an atheist that doesn't have an A at the beginning of it, right? So even the whole crowd that's like, viruses don't exist. Tell me what the fuck exists. Tell me what you do believe. Because this idea that you think that your belief is based on your anti-belief of something else is not a belief. You are living in the wake of virology, my friend. And you're insisting that you're its champion. And you're not. You're anti-dojoing virus. And guess what? All you do is give virus more power. Compassionate virus. Understand how much of it linguistically is you. How much of it genetically is you. Look at the possibility that there will be a time where you and I will start to change our four-bit lives from AGCT into AGCTZX. And that we will step into this higher form of code because 20 amino acid chains do not match the same kind of reality as 256 or 220, I should say. Because we've raised resolution. The reason why I wanted to show you the Aztec thing, and sorry I didn't do a better slide, the twinning is because I want you to remind you that the Aztec idea of the fifth sun is really the idea that the psychological mind only had the capacity to even think in epics of 52 years. And this Venus returning, returning to the same place where the sun is, would be a psychological scaffolding, a necessary mobile for you to learn how to walk your brain if you had something that repeated every 52 years that you could link up to and stretch and strive for. Do you understand that the fourth sun, before the fifth fifth sun, you guys have to be digging what I'm saying right now because it shows you the resonance of our own psychology growing on, on the tomato steaks that we call the spine. That our rib cage are these tomato steaks holding this up and that we need in the garden something that repeats every 52 years. How are you even going to find that in the world? Thank goodness if we watch Venus long enough. Holy shit, it comes back to the same place where the sun came at the same time every 52 years. Oh my God. This is our new epic. This is our new life. So the fifth sun, the fourth sun, the third sun were all just higher bandwidths. And that's why the fifth sun is the moving sun which means that your psychology before you thought in in temporal nature what is the fifth sun being the, if you don't know the sorry you got to catch up on my Aztec stuff or read Archibaphomet because it really covers this specific thing my latest book Archibaphomet please find it on Amazon and if you read it maybe review it cuz guys I want to release a new book but I've only got 20 reviews on my last book I, I <clears throat> even if you hate it review it it helps me so much if you do that Really, it does. I'm trying to be an author over here. People are like, uh, 20 reviews. The majoritarians, they need you. They need you to say, it's okay to read this guy's book. It's not a waste of time. Other people have read it too. You're going to be able to find solace in other people that read it. So come on. So please review the book. Anyway, this, this fifth son is 52 year cycle is just what we're capable of thinking in terms of. And so every 52 years, the Aztecs say, put out all your fires, all your fires, all, even that one, Timmy, put out that fire. Five days, no fires. I want you all to take your hearthstones out, pull them out, pull out your hearthstones, pull out your altar stones, all your altars I need you to pull out, put in a big pit in the center. All right, we're going to bury all this stuff and you have a ritual, you bury it. You're like, but I like that hearthstone. I know that's why you're burying it. It's time for a new epic. And you live in five days in the darkness. In the darkness, all the villages do. 
They all go dark for five days. Why? Because it's time to reset consciousness because your brain is not capable of withstanding this much thought. So it resets. What does it do? It has a new fire ceremony. The highest point in Mexico City. Men, runners, Olympic runners from all these different tribes would assemble. A sacred heart would be pulled from the chest of someone that was considered a living God for an entire year. This person was carried around from village to village as a living God, fed, fluffed, right, ladies? Like uh, bequeathed, golden child, scapegoated, rubbed, touched, kissed, mocked, all of that for an entire year. To where even the, the quote, quote, victim, the sacrifice, is ready for this to happen. He's ready for this shit to be over. He wants it to be over. And he realizes that his entire heart is going to breathe life into the next 52 years of every single person's psychology. Imagine what the runner-up feels. You're still going to die, but your heart's not going to be used in a sacred fire. Oh, man. Like, think about it. It's a lot of psychology here, right? But in the ceremony, where everyone goes dark... That chest is opened up, man. That heart is pulled out. A fire is built inside that cavity. What you and I call ribcage, right? That cathedral of crucible. A new fire is born. And that fire is used to bring back to your village where you tore apart your hearthstone, where you tore up all your dishes are destroyed. They're all gone. And this fire that comes from this man's heart is the very fire that's going to fuel your village for the next 52 fucking years. It's a reset. It's colossal. And we need these tools. And they need to carry a certain importance and dilation because that's how you reset the mind. Because all alchemy is Holocaust. All alchemy is Holocaust. It's all Holocaust. All right. I'm not going to play this because I'll get copyright struck. I'll tell you about it next time. You guys have a great day. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm not muted. Hope you enjoyed the uh, intro. Thank you so much for, for supporting the show. I'd like to ask you, it's almost the 30th. I have lost my 33. Uh, I could use some more patrons right now. If you were to sign up for patron right now, I need you to know that you'll be able to see that coupon code will give you all of the courses that I've, that I've published. There's a, maybe 10, maybe not quite 10, but it'll give you all of those for free. And then, you'll get next month too. So it's, it's, it help me help you help me help you help me help you.
love me.